Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. You want to know what the best email marketing service is for your small business? Well, I've got the team for you. Emailtooltester.com is the place to find reviews and tutorials of newsletter services like ActiveCampaign, MailChimp, GetResponse, and many more. Download their free comparison spreadsheet that will help you find the best email marketing service among many providers. Just Google Email Tool Tester Comparison Template to find it. Again, just Google it. Email Tool Tester Comparison Template to find it. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Tarek Hassan, the CMO at Petco. Petco is a leading specialty retailer that's been serving pets and the people who love them for more than 50 years. They have about 1,500 locations across the U.S., Mexico, and Puerto Rico, and employ more than 26,000 people. Today on the show, Tarek and I talk about the transformation that's underway at Petco, 
the big bets that they're making on nutrition, and how that impacts their employees, which they call their partners. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tarek Hassan. Tarek, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So the, when you've got the CMO of Petco on, you have to ask, what kind of pet do you have? <laughs> so there's there's a little bit of a funny story in that. And, and you can imagine when you become CMO of Petco, you get that question asked of you a lot. We had been living abroad in a previous life and had a had a dog when we lived overseas, but we were living quite far away and there was a lot of conversation around the health and wellness of the pet and whether we should um, re-immigrate with a, you know, repatriate with a pet. And in the end, we decided to rehome with some friends. And so what was a responsible decision for the pet was not such a great decision for my then eight-year-old or nine-year-old who has since been on a mission of trying to uh, bring a dog back into our home. So the summer that I decided when I joined last year to to take the role, I mentioned to her that I was uh, going to be commuting between San Diego and New York, to which she said, well, that's that's kind of a drag. But if you're CMO of Petco, there's no way we're not getting another dog. And so (laughs) I've now been here 18 months, and you are officially the first to get the news that we have, in fact, identified a new pup, a little, little black Labradoodle. And the young man will come home with us uh, November 1st. We have a placeholder name, but knowing it's a 12-year-old in charge, who knows whether it'll hold after she actually meets him or not. But very excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I asked the question. Um, <laughs> so we can share the breaking news. Yeah, breaking um, <laughs> news. Of the, more important than anything, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's talk about your your career and, and your path, where you started and the pathway towards Petco, if you don't mind. So, you know, my career is, is, has been a, a unique blend and not necessarily a, a straight line. And it's part of what I've actually enjoyed in my career. It started initially as a first chapter, really in communication side, focused in advertising, working for a number of agencies, both globally and domestically, with a real focus on, on account planning and strategic planning. From there, I actually followed a former client into the, the corporate side and spent a number of years with HP, working in technology, running global marketing. Next part, of my career was moving over to financial services, where I led both brand strategy, insights and analytics for uh, Bank of America for the entire enterprise, and then led marketing for, for the Merrill Lynch division. And so it's been a real blend of agency and creative and customer insight, followed up by then working in the corporate side of things and really developing more of my brand and my performance capabilities. Got it. Well, and I think I've got this correct, but that you've actually worked for or with the CEO at Petco, Ron Coughlin, before Petco. Is that right? I have worked for Ron Coughlin in the past, initially as a client, and then uh, eventually with a, with him at HP. And as he said it to me, uh, insane enough to do this a third time and come and join him under his leadership as he became the CEO of Petco. And that is a both a unique opportunity. And frankly, if you're lucky in your career, you get to have a leader who you've not only developed as they've developed, but you have the opportunity to come in and uh, work for them when they've moved into this kind of leadership role. And this is an incredibly unique experience with Petco. And so when Ron called and explained to me what he was attempting to do here and the change opportunity that lay ahead of us was not a hard decision to make. Yeah, that's awesome. There's so many CMOs today. I mean, we're you and I are both scheduled, I think, to be at the same event next week with a bunch of them that want to improve their relationships with their CEOs. It sounds like you've got a great relationship with yours. Are there any any tips or advice you'd give someone trying to build a better relationship? Look, I think there's a lot of dimensions to 
what we as CMOs need to do to step back as it relates to establishing our relationship with our organizations, not just not just the CEO. And I think that begins with starting to understand that the role of a CMO has gone through just as much a drastic evolution and change as the rest of the organizations we work for have gone through. I think being highly in tuned with what the mission of the company is, understanding what the business goals and what the KPIs and drivers for success for those goals are, and owning those and being accountable for those results are equally as critical for a CMO. And frankly, the, the line of trust around your leadership table is having that shared accountability with your partners. And I think if you want to have that aligned trust with your CEO, it starts with being aligned with your leadership team and having the same shared vision and the same accountability that your partners do day in and day out. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is understanding the role of marketing in your culture to begin with and determining how you're going to increase and expand understanding where it lacks and how you're going to embrace where the strength of it exists in, in an organization and continue to help them understand where you need to go as a journey. And taking your partners along with you is the formula that I, I guess I've come to say is is surefire because irrespective of the length of a relationship I have with Ron, his expectations are that of the success of this company and with the criteria we've established ourselves as a leadership. So relationships are a great element of it in terms of the dialogue you can have, but at the end of the day, your actions and your accountability of what you deliver are what you should be measured by. Got it. Yep. That makes sense. Well, you've been at Petco a little over a year, I think at this point, got my math right. I love understanding that first year for a new CMO coming into an organization. I'm curious where you started when you first arrived and what have been some of the early milestones? It has been a year of tremendous excitement, but also tremendous change. And I enjoy transformation. I enjoy change. I consider myself a transformation leader, someone who not only thrives on it, but enjoys finding the right way to unleash an organization's potential by allowing them to embrace that kind of change. And so I came in at a time when, no big secret, if you're in retail, you're reevaluating how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace, how you bring new value to your customers, and rapidly trying to understand why a brick and mortar organization can bring value in a digital environment. And in our case, we had just amazing elements for that formula to come to life and create that value for customers, both as it related to what we offered from our merchandise, but also the treasure of riches that we had as a result of services, combined with a commitment to really becoming omni-channel focused. And I know that phrase gets used and overused, but we are truly an organization that has embraced ensuring that we meet our customers where they are in the way they want to be to access the things, how they want them, when they want them, and putting those kind of elements into place. And so when I joined a year ago, a number of those pieces were in motion, but the aspect of what was going to differentiate us and really drive change for us as an organization was really at its embryonic phase and starting to think about what that might look like. And so to be part of the opportunity to join an organization to reinvent where we could go was a pretty exciting opportunity. So the start of this year was a pretty exciting one because we we frankly had our eyes set on a, on a pretty specific goal on this first step of change. And for us, that was deciding that we would make the fundamental shift in nutrition because that's the most significant place that impacts pet parents day in and day out in the relationship they have with us. And we knew from insights and data from those parents that one of the things that they were looking for was first clarity on whether they had the right food and then additional understanding as to ensuring that food, frankly, didn't have some of the things that did have them concerned. And we had pretty specific data from them to tell us that aspects around preservatives, aspects around artificial colors and the food were just things that were were not positive to them. And why should they be? They matched up with a lot of the same, same things you see in the human food category for themselves. 
And so we made the decision that we were going to take those things off our shelves and that we would we would change our, our food selection to ensure that it met with the quality requirements that our customers were frankly saying to us that they wanted. Was it a risk? Yeah, we took a, about $100 million worth of product off the shelf and had to find a way to replace the revenue impact of that. And that came in the form of, of, because we had made that decision, finding our way into new brands and new partners that might not have been willing to be in our channel before. So yes, we had identified a pathway to change, but we are also saying we're going to do this real time and make real significant steps. And so the first one was to, for my team, was to get out and launch that, make that announcement, really define Petco in a different way and really send a signal to the market that we were going to change as a retailer and really engage in our in the lives of our pet parents and start to serve in that capacity, the role that we play in their lives, as opposed to simply being a place where they could come and buy merchandise. Right. Well, like you said, it it was a risk to make that change. It seems to be working out for you. But I'm curious if there was anything that gave you confidence that that was or the business confidence that that was the right decision to do. You know, was it a risk? I think in our case, we would say it was actually an opportunity. Sometimes what is a, a risk on paper actually presents itself as the biggest opportunity of going forward. And I think in our minds, when your customer is actually giving you an insight into what they want and what they need in terms of either clarity or what they want in terms of the products you're offering, that provides you initially some confidence. The risk is really just ensuring that you know how to communicate it in a way that your customer understands it and it actually drives value. And for us, that has worked for us. I can say that we had confidence when we did it, but now I can say factually, having looked at how the year has gone, that we've delivered the results that were required. And it's a very clear indication from the measurement that we've done, both in terms of what we did in the stores and the changes we made with our amazing partners that show up every day and drive our business to the work that my organization did to make sure the message was out there, understood and driving value back to the business. We can definitively point to results on that and say it was a risk if you want to call it that, that was absolutely worth taking. You talked about you know, coming in and knowing one of the first things you're going to have to try to figure out is how to differentiate. And then that was very embryonic stage, I think was the term you used. And then coming out with nutrition and, and better products, better products for your pets. This seems to be in line with a recent LinkedIn post that you wrote around brand ethos. And I'd love for you just to describe what how you think about brand ethos like how would you describe it to somebody else because there's a lot of terms out there and then also how is it different than what we hear in the news and trades today around brand purpose? it does I, ironically I, I think what I would tell you is brand ethos is really capturing and understanding what that brand purpose is but then shaping it bringing it to life in a way that both your internal organization knows how to activate it <laughs> as well as externally making sure that your customers understand how it's being brought to bear to their benefit. And so purpose is exactly what I would tell you the nutrition step reconnected us with as a company. It's where we started. If you look back at the history of this business, it started by supporting veterinarians and trying to maintain the health and wellness of pets. And so really the nutritional stance was really symbolic of where we're going in the future with this business. It's not where we're stopping. And so really starting to understand how we take that purpose bring it to life as a mission for our organization, and then really convert that into how we show up as a brand and the ethos and the representation of the actions that we take are really the exciting part of what the organization's starting to do. And as I said to you, had we decided to do sort of a nutrition campaign, if you will, and stopped there and just made it a campaign, that wouldn't have actually been being true to that purpose. And ultimately, it certainly wouldn't allow us to continue the things we're doing to drive what ultimately will be, we think, a, a very strong, powerful ethos uh, in the marketplace. And so 
so for us, this was really one step uh, to multiple steps in, in the journey of really starting to move towards becoming a, a true health and wellness partner for our pet parents. That is a very different place to live in the marketplace than being a retailer. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And the notion about ethos, I really, I sparked to, frankly, was the active nature of it, meaning, well, it's twofold, I guess. It's almost like describing the DNA of the organization and why you do what you do. But it's also action-oriented in the way you described it, because it's not just enough to say it, to communicate it, but it's the action part. And, and you guys have You've been making big actions. <laughs> so Yeah, and you know, Alan, and I'd love to say it was just brilliantly architected and then we went out to market and we executed it. The reality was it was in front of us. If you walk into one of our stores and you spend some time with our partners, that ethos is so incredibly present every day, day in and day out with the partners we have across 1,500 stores. They get up every single day with one focus. And if you talk to them, they'll tell you that focus is knowing at the end of the day, they helped a parent do a better job with their pet. That was already inherent in who these folks are. And so really it was about capturing that magic in a bottle and just putting some shape and structure around it and allowing that that already existed to be true to who we were, to be focused around that and then and take it to the marketplace. And if anything, I think folks who came in from the outside or looking in from the marketing community would kind of say, well, why hadn't it happened before? So every once in a while, you get lucky, you get to work on a business, you get to work on a brand where there are literally is diamonds on the ground just waiting to be picked up. That's the case here. You spend time in, whether it's within our headquarters or within our stores, it was present. And really, I think it was, it was something Ron identified very early when he came into the organization. And then as I I started to work on with my partners and on the merchant side on the nutrition strategy, you could just tell it was it was really the cork to opening a bottle to something much larger. And that's and that's where where we will be heading and where we are heading. It's great that you found that that was there. It needed to be mined, if you will, because in a retail, like you said, in a retail service environment, I mean, getting the culture right is I would imagine almost 90% of the issue. And if it was there, it just needed to be accentuated. That's awesome. It can help you drive change much faster, I'm sure, from what you're trying to do. So was there anything that you had to do with those employees? I know you call them partners, but <laughs> for other people so they know what we're talking about, were there other things that you did with partners to help drive that change at the store level? We did it well beyond just the store level. It was a fundamental cultural change in the organization to let them know that their first job was to get up every day and support allowing pet parents to give their pet their best life as opposed to get up and sell every day. And so, yeah, we're a business and, we're, and we need to be successful. We need to drive our business, but the how you do it is incredibly important. And so there was significant work done in the field level in our stores to really help the organization understand what we refer to as their, their intent selling model, the intent that they have to get up every day and understand when that customer comes in the door, how they actually understand that customer, understand their unique needs, and that they're permitted and given room to allow that, you know, and communicate with that customer and engage with them in a way that, that might challenge certain things a customer currently thinks. It may actually write correct some things, or it may provide them the additional support that what they're doing is exactly the right thing. Giving your partners room on the floor to really allow themselves to bring the best version of themselves and the passion they have for it and do what's right for their customer as opposed to worrying about what will the transactional outcome be. Of course, we want the sales outcome, 
but allowing them to do that through a way that is much more aligned with providing value to that pet parent has made all the difference in the world. Well, there's so much talk these days about transformation of this or that. I mean, it seems like every, everything is a transformation, but like we've talked before and we're talking now, I mean, Petco is truly on a transformative journey, whether it's in store, online, or the services that you're providing. How do you think about transformation in that term, I guess? And are there any factors that you feel like have been critical to success? Well, I guess I would start with, you have to embrace and actually enjoy the thought of transforming. And, you know, look, I think that's, that starts with the people that are in your organization. I think if I were to introduce you to a, a lot of the leadership, but also the folks that are doing the work day in and day out on behalf of the company, I don't think any of us would want to be in a situation where we're not growing individually. So why wouldn't we want to be transforming how, we, you know, what we bring to our business? I think what organizations have to do and what leadership has to do quite often is make that okay to help their employees understand that we're going to make change and that they're going to help lead that change and they're going to provide feedback to us on how we're doing and that they can be part of it. You can lead change and have your organization engaged and see where see just how powerful it can be. Or you can demand change and find out that you can't dictate these things and your organization will not follow and will not do the things that you need to do. And I think the question isn't about whether or not if transformation, I think we should be constantly transforming ourselves. The question becomes how and where does that tra transformation come from? For us, I can tell you that came down to a very singular statement <laughs> that came from our CEO and, our, and from our head of store operations, which is we turn the organization on its head. And as we put it now, the leadership works for the rest of the organization. And that is a significant and fundamental shift, not only to say it, but to then start putting elements into the culture where you can tell your partners in the field, if you're not getting what you need, you can escalate, you can pick up the phone, you can call one of us. I'll give you a simple anecdote. We, were, we had a uh, company-wide meeting last week and our head of store operations ended his presentation with his phone number on a screen. And if you're not getting what you need, call me. That's cute in a small family business. That's very meaningful in an organization of 25,000 employees. No, I can just imagine the uh, the phone may, may light up as soon as you put that number on screen. But it's interesting. Justin would tell you it doesn't ring as frequently as you think it might. The confidence and the transparency, that's, or the trust that's created through that kind of transparency, in some ways, people use it when they really need to. It's actually when there's, we're either functioning out of fear or they're functioning out of lack of context or functioning out of lack of direction and focus. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. 
And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That it actually will ring more. And so you asked, what were the things that we did with our organization? We made sure that they knew the intent. We made sure we provide context down to really, really basic things that I don't think all organizations necessarily think about, putting the data in their hands. Our store leaders now have access to the same data that we look at here to understand what's going on with the business at their store level and allow them to actually truly focus how they manage their teams day in and day out and where they prioritize the work and the things that they, as you know, part of the challenge of change is deciding what you stop. And so helping them understand what will drive that particular store's business. Well, we're deploying the same things in, in terms of the support center that we provide support to the field with. I love it. And as you talk, I mean, you've, you've not used any of these words that I'm going to spout off, but they keep coming through and the ethos, if you will, of what you're saying is that it's really a heavy dose of empowerment to the people that are trying to drive this change. You trust them, obviously, to make the change happen and you're providing the tools and support that you need to to help them along that journey. Well, you get up and try every day and some days you do it better than others, in particularly making sure you're, you know, the empowerment is there and making sure the tools and you know, and the tools are challenging at times, right? There's the things that you can do, but as we all know we're managing limited resources and so how do you direct the right resources? But even then in the situations where you know you can't fix something tomorrow, are you being transparent and open about the fact you're aware of the problem and giving context for how you might solve the problem in the near future or the midterm or where the reality is, where you know it's going to be further out, are you just simply letting the organization know this is, you know, there's one one pot of money and you've got to make decisions to get things done. And where do those things lie on on the plan? Allowing people to understand the vision and have context for them provides clarity and actually then leads to the kind of trust that you're talking about. And you've got a fantastic market. I would think it's a crazy market. I'm in this market. I'm a pet owner myself. And it's, I'll say it's insane. What kind of pet do you have? I've got two. Well, right now we have two dogs. They're uh, both pit bull mixes. So one is a little bit more pity than the other. The other one's a little bit more labby, I think. But uh, we've had cats in the past. Growing up, I had rabbits, hamsters, goldfish. Um, <laughs> so You are what we affectionately refer to as a, as a zookeeper. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we've never met a pet that we didn't love. And uh, my pets in the last number of years, they've had their own orthopedic surgeons. And yes, now some of the pits have uh, clothes because they get cold in the wintertime. <laughs> so, well, let, be honest, Alan, is the only reason you like putting clothes on them <laughs> is because it gets cold in the wintertime? Or do you actually, is there a joy and pleasure in thinking through what you're going to put on them? Yeah, they don't have that many outfits, but it is kind of cute. I will say like, especially there's a hooded sweatshirt that we got actually at Petco for one of them. And uh, it is, it's hilarious when, when it's on. Well, my hunch is you actually purchased something from our new ready line. If it's a, that a hooded sweatshirt and the whole intent and purpose of that line if you noticed when you bought it you could have gone into your into your dresser pulled out your favorite sweatshirt and it would have felt amazingly similar and that's because it is it's a phenomenal market the reality is that we talk about it in terms of trends and data and the rest of it but the reality is there's just an emotional analog to the relationship that people have with their pets as they do with the other members in their family and you don't need the data to really tell you that you just need to experience it and as we as a culture have embraced that and have leaned into the emotional 
foundational values that we get for the community around us. That community has come to include pets. And yeah, it's a blast of a category to work in for, for that exact reason, both as it relates to the great partners we have and the brands, the partner brands we have in our stores, but also as we think about how we develop services and product offerings for those parents, it gives you a really different canvas to start to innovate and imagine what you can do in support of them. And so Ready is a perfect example of our desire to want to have our pets have the same things we do for ourselves and for our kids. And millennials are actually, you know, the data is actually showing up very significantly with millennials that really pets are, and, and you know, cats and dogs in particular, are our starter families. In certain cases, for many of them, it might be the only child they, they have, but they want to be able to do the things that they do for them. And so that's why we're, we're doing things like, like Already, which is a, a Petco brand, but we're also partnering in very unique ways to come up with unique offerings. And so the launch of our relationship with Just Food for dogs is another example. It's a human grade food product. If it was, you know, sitting in a in a bowl on your table when you walked in, you'd think it was really um, stew that had been made for you. And we've not only is that offering unique that we're offering, but in, we've launched in Union Square the first of a number of fresh kitchens that where it's made in kitchen, in store. And again, that comes out of just an inherent understanding. If I'm having sweet potatoes and, and fish for dinner tonight, I, you know, I want my pet to be eating the same kind of quality of food. And so that's a unique offering that we have within the store as well. As a pet parent, you know, it's, it's nice to know quality of food was important to us. And, you know, we went in search of better food years ago. And it's nice to see that reflected in the store that we now shop at. So as one example. And how was that journey to try and find yourself a better food? It was difficult, frankly, because there's just Google it, right? I mean, there's tons of people out there talking about it. It's not clear what's best in many situations. And you still need some, you need the right, right, complete nutrition, not just better ingredients, if that makes sense. So you still need some supplements and things like that. So if you think about that, food is challenging. And that's the most basic thing that you actually do for your pet. So we, the reason I say we're not stopping in nutrition is the rest of the life stages that you go through with your different kinds of pets are incredibly complicated beyond just the nutrition question. And so that's why we're not stopping just simply in terms of how we think about nutrition. It's why we're making such a significant commitment into veterinarian services and affordable and available uh, veterinarian services. It's why we're repositioning how people think about the role of grooming. Of course, your pet looks beautiful when they're done being groomed, but that's not really the reason you should groom. There's a variety of health and wellness reasons why. And guess what? It's not a very enjoyable experience for our pets when they have to go in and get groomed. And so we're focusing on how do we start to make that a less traumatic and a less anxiety environment for them. It's why we're continuing to look at things like ensuring that you have support before you need it. You mentioned that your pets have had uh, their own orthopedic surgeons over, over your life with them. We have started to establish work that we're doing in the insurance and health and wellness space. We currently are, are offering to companies through their benefits managers, a wellness program for employees. We are launching and in market right now with a test for a membership, a subscription membership, where our, our pet parents can sign in to an annual membership. They all gain access across our services. They'll get benefits on our products. But more importantly, we'll start to understand through a meaningful exchange of their data of how we can help them understand and track uh, the life stages of their pet and ensuring that they're keeping them on a happy health trajectory of living a great life. That again, that becomes a fundamental shift as a company when you are engaged in, with pet parents to make sure that they are taking care of their needs. They no longer see you as just simply a retail brand selling to them. And that is when your brand ethos 
can really start to come to life in a meaningful way because you're engaged in the value of that relationship. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's awesome. We could go on about pets literally all day long. <laughs> but but well, we I, do I, here every day. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And if you wind me up too much, I'll keep going. So uh, I want to transition a little bit to talk about you. And I love asking folks that come on the show, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today as a person? Oh, you don't ask a, it's not a simple question. I would say there is a, a variant number of experiences that make up who I am today. They start from my own personal experiences of who I am and the family I grew up in from my own diverse background. And really, I guess if I tip it all the way back to, you know, being the, the grandson of immigrant parents and watching them create the lives for my parents and then in, in turn the values that were passed on to us and, and really that's something that's held true for me it's why elements of doing work in the diversity space are so critical and important in terms of not only who I am as a as an individual but who I am as a leader in our organization and has been part of of who I am in my career at pinnacle moments I am a parent I have a 12 year old daughter who is uh, an incredible spirit and a great example of perseverance. She's a uh, cancer survivor. And so you have moments in your life where you learn how strong you can be through the situations of others. And and so that was, I can say at times I have to think about how long it's been since she, uh, she won that fight. But that was absolutely a moment that changes your life in terms of thinking about the things that are important and thinking about where you want to spend your time. And if you will, I think those things start to help you understand your own brand ethos, if you will. And so starting to look for opportunities to work in organizations where ethos matters and where purpose matters and where the culture and finding your tribe matters, those are where you start to find those. They don't happen at work. I think it's it's discovering those things in yourself. And as I say, have collected enough gray hair to understand those things are where the real value are have definitely impacted me and then on a professional front yeah you know it's it's uh, there's been moments of failure and moments of not always the most successful pursuit of where you thought you were going that if you allow yourself the time to dust yourself off but allow yourself time to then reflect on those they have made very significant impressions on who I try to become every day as a leader and who I try to become as a person and I can tell you um, have had a massive impact on the work that I'm doing now with with the amazing folks that I, I have on my team. It's awesome. Well thank you for sharing that especially the personal note about your daughter and I'm glad she's she's doing well and she's probably got a fighting spirit just having had gone through something like that so oh she reminds me every day that uh, i have no clue what tough is and how what strong is and i bring it up honestly alan because it's also a part of what i think we as organizations have to start being able to do if we want to continue to allow the best to come out of our own folks which is we talk a lot about the role of creating inclusive and diverse cultures in our in our environments we talk about empowerment but to do those things and allow those things to take place you have to create safe environments and you also have to allow for vulnerability. And so if we as leaders can continue to not only bring our whole selves to life, but make it safe for people to bring their whole selves and allow them to have that kind of vulnerability, you'll unleash pretty magical outcomes. You can't just tell people they can be empowered. You have to show them a side of your own behavior and your own actions, including when you don't show up on your on your best day 
and being able to say to your folks, that was not the best version of myself and have the confidence to be able to say that to them and have them find the value in that conversation. Well, what keeps you going? What keeps, what drives you? (laughs) I laugh because people talk about change and transformation as sort of like, we're going to go through that phase. And I would say a lot of that drives me. I have come to very much embrace, not only in my professional career, my own personal career. I like change. I like going through and learning and discovering what I didn't know yesterday, but also applying what I did know three days ago kind of thing. So change definitely is part of it, the excitement of it. But I think one of the things that I also discovered in coming to Petco is the people you work with is what drives you. It's when you when you get into a culture like we have, where people, as I say, they get up every day focused on our mission, knowing that if we do it well, the business outcome will come. It's contagious. You can't help but get swept up in it. And whether it's here at our headquarters, or as I say, whether it's in one of our 1,500 stores, it is always present. And it's the best reminder that any leadership can have of what, what exactly it is we're supposed to get up every day and do when we're trying to lead a company. And so I will tell you that walking into into work every day and knowing that you have people that are on that mission and knowing that you get to be part of that, that's pretty motivating. Well, most marketers, I, I assume you kind of watch what's going on around you beyond the Petco brand and what's going on in store and your initiatives. And so I'm just curious if there's brands or companies or, or causes even, I guess, that you take notice of or you think other people should? It's a great question. There are a lot of brands that I take little pieces from in terms of how they how they are approaching their business. And I think increasingly, I don't talk about them in terms of, are they a retail brand? Are they a direct-to-consumer brand? Are they a B2B brand? I think I talk, I think I focus on them more about how are they approaching their business? What are the actions they're taking, right? And so we talk about brands that are winning through purpose a lot. So whether you're talking about Patagonia, whether you're talking about a Dix, who's made a very bold stance, and you know, you think we took a risk, they took an amazing amazing risk, right? And it's a great demonstration of how founder-led vision still can hold within a company, but even that isn't strong enough unless the whole company is behind it. So to be able to stare in the eyes and say, this is going to be something we know there's going to be a part of our customer base is not going to be happy, but we feel like it's the right thing. Whether you're Nike and saying, sorry, we don't see the separation between sports and politics and we're going to make a statement. So you've got a number of, I think, wonderfully amazing examples of what's happening on an ethos space. But then you can also pivot to those same brands and say, but be clear, they're also making the transformations they need to make in a very changing customer-led and digital-led environment. So equally, the things that Nike's doing in terms of how they're directly linked to their customer, how they're using data to provide value to them, how they're working different with their own retail channels. There's a tremendous amount of what's, what, what they're doing that I have a lot of respect for. And then I think there's some just amazing, I'll call sort of in-service brands. I think uh, the way Airbnb thinks about not only the relationship with the individual who's looking to rent that home or apartment, but also the way that they work with the the folks who are renting their properties and how they think about it, but how they also move beyond just the transaction to creating the experience. And so to have an entire group that's building experiences when you get to those destinations, right? When you think about it, I've already got you into the property. Why do I need to worry about what you do once you're there? Because you recognize that the brands that are going to win are going to win because they have a very clearly defined purpose that gets translated into their ethos. It sets up behaviors. It sets up, as you said, very action-based ways of understanding their customer, engaging with their customer, and then ultimately creating experiences. And those experiences can take place in the aisle of your store. 
where those experiences can take place at a an adoption event where you know by the end of the day you're going to have found homes for 600 cats and dogs. It's not one or the other. You've got to be firing on all cylinders for for how you're relating to that customer. And so I think the brands that are getting it are the ones that are truly understanding their own mission and purpose. They're truly understanding where value is found in their customer, and they're not afraid to go and create that value in multiple places. Well, last question for you, and it's a little bit of a doozy, I guess, too. So I apologize in advance, but where do you see the future of marketing going? I actually don't find that to be that big of a doozy. I think we have an amazing future ahead of us. The access to the kind of data that we have has a tremendous responsibility attached to it. I think that's a tremendous challenge of the future of ensuring that we access the data and we use it in a way that creates real meaningful value, not based on the value it provides for us, but the value it provides for our customers is a challenge that, you know, as marketers, we need to be getting prepared for. And so ensuring you've got really understanding what first party data is, and then I'm going to remove sort of the cold notion of the phrase first party and say, that is the data that links understanding who your customer is. They're not a party, first party. They are a human being who has needs, who has solutions that are required in their lives. And so how do you make sure you're using that in a responsible way? But you better have it first, right? So I think as marketers, our future of making sure we think through how we have the right information in a way that we can read the signals in a way that then provides value to those customers, I actually think is a tremendously challenging but incredibly exciting uh, future for marketers to be leading. Is it going to be easy? No. Many of us are dealing with legacy systems, not enough money to put the technology and infrastructure in place that we have. But again, knowing where that first dollar goes is dependent on understanding what the business is that you're actually in. And that often is not found on the spreadsheet and it's found in the lives of our customers and really then deciding where you spend that focus. I think the future of marketing is one that is going to have to lean heavily back into creativity because just because you have the data to tell you what you think are the answers, you still have to find a way to break through and capture attention and gain trust and do it over and over. And that, in my mind, creativity has never been more important for us to do that because I can get to you, but to get you to answer the door, I've got to give you a reason to. And so I think, I don't think, you know, I guess I'm one of these people who doesn't think we're going through some sort of apocalyptic change. I think we're being enabled to have a better understanding to the folks that we serve every day. And now it's up to us to figure out how to prioritize and sometimes get the noise out of the room because there's a lot of it, right? And really refocus. And, and if we do it and we do it well, there's already enough examples that, that our customers will reward us. I agree. I like the sentiment and um, I think you're right. I mean, I think it is a combination of creativity and responsible, <laughs> responsible use of the empowered data that we have <laughs> to try to drive more meaningful value. And I like your focus on value, driving value for your customers and the humans behind the data that you're collecting. Well, Tarek, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've enjoyed the chat. Thanks for the opportunity, Alan. It's a lot of fun. Best of luck with your uh, two pitbulls. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart and this is Marketing Today. 
Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.